There ain't nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, get you a ripe one, don't get a hard one. Plant them in the spring, need them in the summer. All winter without them is a culinary bummer. I forget all about the sweating and digging. Every time I go out, pick me a pig. Do, 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 do. How we doing today? We're looking good. We're feeling good. It's Good Friday. You got to be good, right? And welcome into Yard and Garden Live. It is time for about 90 minutes of uh, talking about your landscape and any problems you might be having out there. It's a, a live phone-in program. We ask you to call, and uh, Nicole Stoner and her guest are going to answer any questions you might have. And if you got questions about pine trees, whoa! Today is the day to call Yard and Garden Live at 402-729-3383. And now the lovely and talented. And uh, the not uh, the, the only person I know that's got four, not two, green thumbs. It's Nicole Stoner. Hi, Nicole. Hello. How are you? You keep adding a thumb. You know that? Say, I think last year was three, so yeah. I'm up to four. You're up cool. to four now. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what's going to be happening here in the near future? You never know. Right. Who did you bring today? I brought with me Jay Seaton, and he is with the Lower Platte South uh, NRD and also with the Nebraska Forest Service. So he's a forester through both of those. So welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have you. So we were we were talking off the air about all the different different trees and problems we see, and, and so that's, you know, that's not always fun. <laughs> it's getting to be spring, so everybody's starting to pay a little more attention to what's greening up, what's right. blooming, what's coming around, so. And what's dead. <laughs> yeah. What didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, I noticed uh, when I left my office today, we have a boxwood in front of it, and it is brown. Brown, brown. <laughs> I don't know if there's any green under there. I think it got a lot of winter kill, um, and so we'll we'll wait and see how it greens up a little longer, and and it may have to go. <laughs> I say it's always patience is a virtue. That cold spell in February oh, gosh, did us bad. a lot of didn't do us any bit of good. No. So it'll be curious to see as we progress into spring what's going to make it, what maybe mm-hmm. got set back. It's right. But like I say, patience is a virtue. So yeah. everybody just hang on. <laughs> yeah, I know the roses. Um, I've got a few new roses too in my landscape, and they had quite a bit of dieback. I mean, partial part of the problem was rabbit die back <laughs> but part of it was also um, winter kill and so there's you know definitely a lot of damage in some of those kinds of plants that will start and like you said patience you know just right. giving it time to see what will come out of that don't get too excited about um, you know removing it it might still green up I would say we are just getting started in the growing season right. so patience will have to be a virtue right everybody's <laughs> excited especially with the weekend coming nice beautiful weather oh, looking yeah. ahead and yeah everybody's ripped Rip roaring, ready to go, and yes, hold on, hold don't get on. too excited. <laughs> so, uh, uh, our phone number, by the way, is four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. Doesn't cost you a penny uh, to ask a question about anything, whether it be tree or uh, turf related, maybe garden related, transplanting, pruning, whatever is on your mind. Or if you have a question, maybe you're going to be planting some some uh, new grass, maybe a new yard this year. Got some questions on that. Whatever it may be, 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. Jay, um, where are you from, sir? Don't I sound like I'm from Nebraska? <laughs> you sound you sound like you're from the north. Oh, yeah. The a nor- further north. The northern part of Tennessee, maybe. Yeah. Yeah? More Texas way. Texas way, huh? Yep. 
Well, we'll forgive you. <laughs> yeah, most uh, people generally do. Been uh, up here a little over 12 years now. So. Have you really? Yep, sir. So, mm-hmm. it's, in fact, I think today is my nine-year anniversary with the NRD. Well, so. happy anniversary. Uh, so where did you go to school? Oklahoma State. I was uh, Once again, we'll forgive you. Forgive you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Cowboys, everybody's just, we. well, we exist. <laughs> yeah, all right. Very good, very I good. I say, we're the wrestling school. That's yeah. more. <laughs> okay. But uh, your your job with the NRD, you are actually a in the for you are a forester yes sir and so when people uh get uh the the plant the tree plantings from uh they get what do they call them the little bitty ones well uh we call them uh seedlings seedlings thank you 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 are you are you related with that program or is it absolutely we you know every nrd across the state has a conservation seedling program where Mm -hmm. a vast majority of them do come from uh the bessie nursery out at Mm -hmm. halsey we have an agreement with them, so a bunch of them come out of there, but we get them from all across the Midwest to provide our landowners with whatever resource they may need for windbreaks, wildlife habitat, riparian forest. Just if you have tree questions. Run that one by me again, riparian forest, and, and explain that to me. Basically, you think of a forest, a riparian forest is right beside a river, stream, lake. That's a riparian area. I got you. <laughs> that, so, it's a little bit different. The environment in that area is a little bit different than, than maybe around a windbreak around a, a farmstead. Absolutely, because you got different soils, different hydrology, you're different, maybe even different concerns, whether it be erosion or wildlife. Gotcha. And so with between the Nebraska Forest Service and your local NRD, you do have a vast amount of knowledge including with extension and gaming parks pheasants forever there's a whole wealth of knowledge in regards to shrubs trees and whatnot to meet your conservation needs and so like mm-hmm. i said with the lower Platte south nrd we have our conservation seedling program as well and then as part of that with the nebraska forest service we have foresters across the state to help you design windbreak plantings, design wildlife habitat plantings, assist in timber management. Uh, last week, I was even doing walnut appraisals. So just really? any kind yeah. of general forestry. And then we also have our pest specialists. We have community forestry specialists. We try to cover anything tree-related. <laughs> okay, yeah. And well, we get a, a great it, amount of those foresters on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I invite a lot of foresters to come on the show, so it's the, good. And we, have, and we have a lot of questions also about, uh, now, uh, you know, about the uh, fruit trees. Now, I don't know if that's something that uh, that uh, you mess with a lot or not. I, You know, uh, some people do, some people don't. I'm going to say, with, when it comes to fruit trees, I, I know enough to be dangerous <laughs> is what it amounts to. Yep. And so really try to cover the bare basics All on right. that. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So we'll we'll go light on those questions for you, okay? <laughs> if we'll you have light. them, you can ask. Uh, okay. Yeah. Doesn't ever hurt to ask, <laughs> nope, right? Nope. Let's go to the uh, phone. Here is Amanda. Amanda's in Beatrice. And what's your question? Okay. We have an ash tree. Mm-hmm. And last year, it started growing some big, funky mushrooms underneath it. Mm-hmm. And then it got some brown spots on the leaves, and then all of our leaves fell off before fall even happened. So the, the mushrooms, though, you said are growing underneath of it or on the tree? Underneath it. Okay. <clears throat> so mushrooms um, growing in and around plants is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, they're growing off of um, our root system and things like that. And um, it can be a sign of, you know, healthy soils as well as just decaying organic matter 
And our, our roots are, you know, some of them, even on a live tree, some of them are going to decay over time and things like that. Um, the brown spots on the leaves and falling off, probably like anthracnose or... Um, That's... <laughs> <laughs> probably some anthracnose, you think, Jake? I think so. It's, it's probably just something to do, uh, either some type of fungus or something in the soil. Um, take a look at your tree right now. Take a look at those outer branches and see if they have some really healthy buds. They should be starting to mm -hmm. form right now. Ash haven't broke yet. They're not like the maples and the crab apples and so many other things that are breaking bud right now. But if you look, you'll see if it has uh, healthy live buds there at the end. And really this year, it's like I say, you know what to start is be patient. It's probably nothing to panic about. Ash are very resilient to a lot of those type of problems. And it just may have been last winter last fall when it lost all its leaves we got so dry so fast mm -hmm. uh trees are really good at panicking sometime and just like nope i gotta survive drop my leaves so it can retain as much moisture as possible so take a look at those buds see if they're ready to break and i am betting you probably okay right okay. yeah and so the the bigger you know thought process with ash you know and i'm and i don't know if this is where your mind went but um, to ash emerald ash borer, yeah, sure. um, <laughs> yes. and, and those are not the symptoms of emerald ash borer. Um, with emerald ash borer, you're going to see top dieback. You're going to see bare branches at the tips of, like, if you stand back and look way at the top of the canopy, the leaves up there will be lighter green and smaller. You'll see suckering. You'll see bark falling off, things like that. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, there was none of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if this is a tree um, that you're looking to save from emerald ash borer, um, you know, we're not in that uh, treatment zone at this point until it gets within 15 miles. And so it hasn't been found because you're in Beatrice and it hasn't <laughs> been found in the Beatrice area. Um, and so really, even if your tree is up to 30 percent defoliated, when emerald ash borer is found in that tree, you can still most of the time save that tree. So is that is that, is that getting a more common, b a little less expensive and c as something that people really, really, really want to do? Um, in certain cases, yeah. You know, it, it, it really does depend. And, you know, if you talk to me one day, I'm going to say no. And the other day, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, because it is um, so up in the air on. But, you know. Well, have the, a look, talk about cost. The cost can be kind of expensive depending on who's doing it. Um, it's usually by diameter at breast height. So, however, the, uh, the bigger the tree, the, the more tree. it's going to cost. Yes, Correct. absolutely. And 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 then and then one other thing, uh, the effectiveness of it is this is this something that that we're getting better at treating or not so much? Maybe it, maybe. Yeah, it can be. Um, and the effectiveness is you know dependent on the chemical they're using and how often they're applying it. Um, so the, the not a most, one and done. Yeah, no. no. You're you're going to treat done. for the life of the tree okay. once you start. Right. Um, and the effectiveness of the most common one would be amamectin benzoate, which is a two well, to three sure. year. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I study these. I things. still yeah, can't yeah. say that right. <laughs> and, and Amanda's trying to write it down, you know. But that one's yeah. a, a two to three years between applications. And actually, um, I was just doing an ISA conference in January. And what they said was when the population is high, you want to keep those um, applications pretty tight. So two years between. But as that population goes down gotcha. a little bit you can space those out more um, and so that can help um, over the long run you're still going to have to treat emerald ash borer is never going to be gone mm -hmm. but it um, it 
can re, you know you can go a lot further between applications. But with Amanda, did that help you out? What's that? Did are, did you get your question answered? Yes, I, I answered so. too much. <laughs> All right, yeah, it went on and on and on. I, just, I do that. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna release you so you can get back to your life here. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank call, thank you, you call anytime, anytime. <laughs> yeah, uh, four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. Yeah, sometimes we we forget. Hey, we got a we got a caller in here. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, doesn't want to hang up. Well, one thing I, I do want to mention with Emerald Ashbor is uh, the old Hitchhikers to the Galaxy motto: "Don't panic. Right. Be calm, relax. Just keep an eye on your trees. Make sure that you're starting to notice. I'm starting to notice some dieback here because that may not even be Emerald mm -hmm. Ashbor. Could right. be some like winter kill or ice or damage or something. Any of that our or, native boars. Yeah, or even one of them. If you're starting to know suckers, that's not necessarily. Mm -hmm. If you just recently pruned a lot or over pruned, the tree will do that naturally. And that's not even 100% mm -hmm. emerald ash borer. It's really, and that's on true on any plant and kind of like your garden is, you do have to monitor these things, mm -hmm. even if they are 40, 50, 100 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. You still just need to watch them and make sure that I'm not seeing anything drastic or real change. Because then if you're starting to notice those vast changes, that's when you need to get a cold of mm -hmm. extension, Nebraska Forest yeah. Service, someone to take a look and yep. help yep. you out and identify right. that issue. I think we have uh, another call. This is from coming in from Lancaster County. It's James. Hi, James. Good morning. You have a question for Nicole or uh, or our friend Jay? Yes. First question is, is it time to transplant my mom plant? Is it time to transplant your mum plant? Yeah. How long has it been where it's at? Do you know? Quite a few years. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you can do that. I would probably hold off just a little bit longer with that one as well. Um, you know, Jay said wait on a lot of these things. It's a little early yet. Um, if you had to right now, you could probably get away with it. Um, but, yeah, you can do that Um I, I would say towards the end of the month, a little bit uh, would be a little bit better than right now um, for that one. But does that help? Might be just a little bit too cold and get yeah. some cold at night, and you just think. Well, yeah, you want to make sure that you can keep the roots rot watered well when you do that. And oh, I see what know. you're saying. So, is is the mum plant up right now? They're starting to come is up. Is, yeah, is yours up, James? Yes, it's up about oh inch, inch and a half, yeah. nice and green. I must say, I, mine is doing the same, I, and I agree with Nicole on that. I'm I would typically wait. One thing I would do is get outside and do a rain dance and hope for a little <laughs> bit of moisture in the yeah. ground because it is it is dry right now, and that will help a lot. But when you're transplanting something like that, be a little patient, let it get up, make sure we're kind of clear of a lot of these up and down going from 32 to 75 temperatures because that'll stress it you've already stressed it by transplanting the plant oh, yeah. so get a little moisture oh, in the ground and, an, and a question here what will it will it bloom this year during after being transplanted in the spring think they will still. maybe maybe not it, they're it pretty may, tough yeah, okay say, it, it they should it a little bit but and uh, james did you it sounded like maybe you had another question as well Yes, I got, is it time to put some grass feed out from the winter kill? And then when would be a good time to move some zoya strips around? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James, not a fan. Just not a fan of zoya. <laughs> but go ahead. Um, so 
and and I don't hundred percent disagree with you, Randy. Um, but um, you can overseed any time in the month of April. Uh, I like to go mid month is a little bit better, a little safer. Like Jay is saying, this up and down, that seventeen or didn't we have like down in the teens overnight? Yeah, well, last we night got we got before? we got into the lower twenties. Yeah, 20s. okay, so, so it can happen. You know, that's a really hard um, time for yeah. those. And and if we start to see, you know, this weekend, if you were to overseed and then it were to come up with these eighty degrees, and then we have another flash of cold, um, that's going to be really hard on that new tender growth. So um, I like to go middle of the month to the end of the month. You can even go into May a little bit with that, um, but you can technically do it in any time in April. Um, but if you could hold off a little bit longer, I think it'd be a little better for the grass. Yeah, that soft new, if you just, like say, it's going to be 80 degrees tomorrow and just absolutely beautiful, that new soft tissue coming out of the ground, one weather extreme, and it'll be no, there's no saving it. It'll die. Right. Okay. And then let's and then go ahead with the zosia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because that's a warm season grass, I would wait till it starts to green up to really move that too much. Um, just to, it'll take a lot better when you move it so, for the rooting. Um, so most of our warm season grasses, we're, we're doing like seeding and sodding um, during, I want to say late May into June mm -hmm. with those, um, just because they're warm season. Sounds very good. Okay. Thank you, Thank James. You. Thank you. Somebody, I almost said, and, and did you need that translated? That word dry is dry. <laughs> oh, God. He's talking, he's saying it's dry. should just say drought. Do you, <laughs> you, do you come with your own Rosetta Stone? Uh, sometimes I just come with a notepad. Okay, that doesn't really I'm work sorry. on road radio uh, very well. I'm sorry. Uh, this is Yard and Garden Live on O-Red 99.5. We'll be back with more of your calls coming up. And we are back and looking for your phone calls on Yard and Garden Live, 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. Give us a jingle if you've got a question. Uh, we've already had a little bit of everything. We've had some tree questions, which is good, uh, because we have Jay Seaton here, who's with the Lower Platte Southern NRD. Wow. Wow. What a mouthful that is there, uh, Jay. It barely fits on the business card. Yeah, man, barely. <laughs> and, and he is a forester and, uh, and, and knocking questions out of the park now about uh, your uh, pine and uh, evergreen trees, evergreen bushes. Uh, they had some trouble uh, the past year because, uh, man, we had a cold snap that was just brutal. Um, and luckily it didn't last a long time, but it's still we're still kind of taking a wait-and-see attitude on a lot of the things that you might look at today and say, wow, it's not going to make it. You want to give it some time, right? Well, and with a lot of your evergreens, this is a great time to take a look at them. Look at the end. You'll see a bud or even a candle starting to form, whether it's pine, spruce, fir. Just really look at the end of those branches, even if the needles behind it are brown. And, okay, you got winter kill. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. Look at that bud. And if it's live, looking healthy, has a nice glow to it, that's going to pop and start forming new needles, starting to grow. That's going to be your new growth for this year. So, as I said, don't panic. Just right. look at your tree because most of most of the time you think we're, 
You can take a blue spruce or ponderosa pine. It grows in the top of the Rockies, and it survives those winters. Mm-hmm. Ours are not as bad as that, and they just do just fine. So don't panic. Look at those buds and just pay attention. But this is going to be a good time to um, notice, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, which plants are actually best suited for Nebraska and which <laughs> ones are maybe right on the edge. Nope. If you've got a plant that's maybe it were on the edge of their hardiness zone, they may not have pulled through that winter. That real cold spell that we had, the one I can think of that we love to plant would be Japanese maples. Right. Um, I I wonder how, I mean, I feel like we're going to probably lose a few of those. The willows are kind of on the edge. Arborvitaes are kind of on the edge. We might see some problem with some of those. Um, but most of your plants, you know, oaks, the maples, the, you know. The Any of your natives. Those it, things are going to do great. But it's going to be those things that we're pushing the hardiness <laughs> zone in Nebraska. I say you can always go north <laughs> to south. You can't always go south to north. Right. And so anytime you play with that type of zone, you're going to have issues one right. way. Especially it's either bitter cold winters or really hot dry summers. That's where mm-hmm. the really puts these trees to the test so right. yeah things like japanese maple arborvitae everybody has their own opinion on them i have mine i won't share them online <laughs> on air but yeah. it's yeah. one of those that yeah it'll put them through but again yeah. don't panic look at your tree and wait where you're just starting spring don't jump the gun and right. panic yeah. right all right 402 402-729-3383. I know uh, a lot of people in our area get uh, trees from the uh, Little Blue. Yes, this NRD. would be Little Blue. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the, you know, the thing I, most people uh, talk about when they about these trees, these seedlings, is that uh, they're number one, they're fairly easy to plant. Number two, they're a great value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are, all your NRD, like I said, every NRD has a conservation tree seedling program. And, yeah, it's about a foot, foot and a half bare root seedlings. Uh-huh. Every program has a little bit different variety, a little bit different cost. But, like I say, what I tell most of my customers, we're in the business of bulk. Yeah. You know, you're going to plant a 400-tree windbreak. Ooh, you'd go broke trying to go to a nursery <laughs> no and kidding. buy something Absolutely, big. Absolutely, yeah. Most of the time across the NRD, these are a buck a seedling. And so, yeah, right. it's very cost effective. Uh-huh. And two, as a forester, when I when I give my uh, uh, professional opinion on what to plant, the smaller the better. Mm-hmm. If you talk, plant, I, I, just, I wanted to talk about that yep. because people will look at a seedling <laughs> and go, oh, man, I don't want to wait for this <laughs> thing to grow into a tree. Yep. It'll take forever. It's it, usually I'm too old to see that tree grow. Right. That's <laughs> well, that that a lot. All the time. I, I've got, that, I've got <laughs> that on my mind, you know, with my age. But and, do talk about that. And it's when, interesting. And with the Nebraska Forest Service, we have experimental plantings all across the state. And one of them that I was a part of was doing – an acorn, a seedling, a two, three foot tall landscape grade, a seven foot tall landscape grade, and that was just it. Sure. Okay. Uh, the acorn's winning. Really? Because you think about it is when you purchase a tree, you want to buy a root system. The top of the tree, all you're buying with the top of a tree is instant gratification. Mm-hmm. That's it. It really doesn't equate to anything else. Roots equal growth. That's kind so, of what's under the hood of the tree. Exactly. Yeah. And so you think about that acorn, its roots never left the ground. It started there. It's had every bit to just get established in that soil and go. The next one, the bare root seedling, 
really the same thing. You're buying 95 to 100% of that root system, less amount of stress because it's a younger tree. It'll take off and so forth. That seven-foot-tall big landscape that brawled and burlapped, mm -hmm. you're buying about 10% of that root system. Yep. And so it's going to spend the next 10, 15 years not really trying to grow but recover what it's lost underneath the ground. So really, if you need a landscape tree and you want a little instant gratification, I usually tell landowners, you know, that two to four-foot sure. mark yeah. is perfect. It's perfect to see. It's easy to mulch to keep. The biggest threat to a landscape tree is you. With the weed mower. eater and the lawnmower, oh, yeah, and yeah. loving it to death, yeah, with right. fertilizer and right. water, yeah. I mean, really, you think where these trees grow naturally, they grow in rough and tough conditions all across this country. They don't need every little thing. They right. they need a little to get started, but they don't need you to love them to death. Well, <laughs> and a little patriotic music behind that. <laughs> that speech. It was pretty good. Was good uh, I've and, given it more Jay, than once. <laughs> it's not, you know, I get a little teary-eyed here. And, um, but what, that, one of the things that um, people do is they, they call and they ask, okay, what do I do for fertilization for my trees? And really, in most cases, I've talked to tons of foresters on my show before, and most of them say, you know, our soils have what they need. We don't really need to fertilize our trees very often. No. And if, if you feel like you want to give your tree a little bit of a boost, and fertilizer to me is still a no. It's too easy to overdo it than to do it right. But if a lot of your local uh, dumps or municipalities have compost, mm -hmm. compost piles that you can right. get for relatively inexpensive or in some cases free, a couple scoops of that into your soil is enough organic matter is enough nutrients that is about as natural of a fertilizer right. as that tree will ever need in its life especially if you're dealing with uh, some heavier clay soils just adding a little bit of that goes a long way and that was that'll be all you will ever need mm -hmm. to fertilize that tree to give it a, a jump on life mm -hmm. but the right. biggest things when planting any tree is keeping away sod forming grass Mm -hmm. We call it the green death because it's just got <laughs> such an aggressive root system. Yes. Now it's got to get, now water and everything else has to get through that grass to get to your tree roots. If you can pull that grass off and mulch that tree, and mulch is the next thing, keeping competition and moisture in the ground, you can get an oak to grow nearly two feet a year just by doing little steps like that. Incredible. But no volcanoes. But no volcanoes. Yeah, I love that <laughs> because you still, I still see that. And, you do. You and, do. You know, and even though we talk about it quite a bit, you still see it. Yeah. And we still have people that call that want to, uh, you know, make a, 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 a flower bed around their, yeah, their, their oak trees oh. or whatever, their big trees <laughs> that have the roots that come up and make it hard to mow around. Uh, <laughs> but you really don't want to do any of that if you want, your, if you want to give your tree the, the best chance to, to, to go year after year after year. You don't want to really do that. Mulching and, and watering. Yeah. Mulching and watering. Yeah. And, and, and don't uh, overwater either. Don't know, especially on uh, conifers or evergreens. Yes. Yeah. You, it's like I said, you can love these things to death. You think about where a spruce or a pine grows naturally, it's sand and rock with about 10 inches of rain a year. We're here in the eastern part of Nebraska. We get anywhere from 20 to 30 plus and inches we're of clay. rain. And, and it's clay and it holds moisture. Yeah. We don't have to water unless it's just absolutely necessary. 402-729-3383. I'd really like to start winding up and um, making these uh, phones go crazy here on Yard and Garden Live. It'd be nice. I know we're a little bit early, 
And I also know that um, we have a big uh, a big weekend ahead of us uh, uh, with uh, with this being Good Friday, of course, uh, Easter Sunday. Probably got a lot of people coming into town. Maybe you're doing one thing or another, not paying a whole lot of attention to what's outside. No, my yard my, my yard looks typically like it does every year about this time, and it looks rough. I mean, it just <laughs> looks rough. I had uh, a lot of vole. Uh, they, they, you know, they had the Indianapolis 500 going <laughs> underneath this snow, snow cover. Nobody knew about it, uh, including the voles predators. <laughs> they had no, no, and uh, it just, you know, it just looks bad. It, and and it will until we get a little rain. I get my 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 Kalon guy, who comes and takes care of me. Man, does the best job ever, and. And once he comes in and does that, we get a little warmer weather and a little rain, it'll it'll pop right out. But right now, it's pretty ugly out there. And uh, I, I see a lot of yards that are kind of similar to mine. And then, then you always come across this guy. You go, how in the world does he do that? You know, <laughs> how does he do that to his yard? It looks so good this time of year. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. how your yard look? And uh, how about your garden? Uh, we need to talk a little bit sometime this morning about... Uh, you know, what we should be doing in our gardens. Right now I'm waiting on Mr. Rototiller guy. Uh, <laughs> and, and I actually had a question about this. I have a, 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 a compost barrel that got too full, and so I had to make a, a homegrown one. And I made it out of a, like, a, a big trash can, drilling holes in the sides, all you know, also aerate it. And, um, and unlike my barrel, it didn't get turned like my compost barrel did. I tried, but I failed miserably. And I looked at it uh, yesterday, and I noticed that, I don't know, I haven't dug through it yet, but up on top there's still, uh, I, I put a lot of, uh, shred a lot of paper documents, and those go in the compost. And I noticed that some of those haven't yet broke down. In fact, that some of them are still white. And But I know that's just on the top, but I'm thinking down below it would probably be a lot better. I'm just wondering if maybe it isn't a good time uh, before the rototiller guy comes to go ahead and drag that out in the garden and uh, and get the pitchfork out and kind of dig through that and uh, kind of scatter it out so he can go through and, and till, it in. till it in for yep. me. Yep, that would be a good idea. Yeah, it's been there over <laughs> a year now, so it's even though it's not completely broke down, I think yeah. maybe I'll give that a shot. Yep. And it'll break down further as it gets yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so if you're going to add compost, uh, this would be the time to do that, you know, when you're tilling so that you can just till it back in. Um, but this is not the time to do manure. Yeah, I don't, you know. Not we on just, a vegetable garden. Wait, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't use any of that. It's just all, you know, it's either paper and uh, eggs and coffee grounds and mm-hmm. banana peels and stuff like that. And if anybody wants to compost, would like to compost, uh, man, I mean, it doesn't cost a whole lot. And they make the trash cans now that the lids screw on. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a twist on, and you take a drill and punch a bunch of holes in it, and then you can actually roll that out right. on the grass and kind of get a rolling action good. going. Yep, they have them now where they're like up on a stand, and it's that's like what you know, that you can just roll yeah. have the, the nice <laughs> handle. Yeah, yeah. My, my darling <laughs> got me one of those for Christmas. So, oh, that's very and it was nice. like it was just great. You know, it doesn't have a handle, but it it does have it's a big slide, and you yeah. you know, you can move uh, it around. yeah. So if, yeah, that's uh, that's the key with composting, getting it to break down. 
um, is that you're turning it often enough and keeping the moisture Wet. level yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, because dry and cold is not going to break down. You want it hot and moist. More moist, yeah. And that's 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 the other kind of a disadvantage to the make your own trash can because the only access you do have from it is from the top. Right. And where if it's you know on a side rolling, then you can kind of right. you know you get a right. whole lot. Right. A better uh, distribution of the water. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. What's on your mind? Yard and Garden Live. Love to have your phone calls here this morning at four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. Talk a little bit about how uh, uh, Jay, how you and and your company uh, deals with bagworms when you have huge <laughs> areas of forested ground what I, just to <laughs> battle them this is the first last year is the first year i can really pay attention and saw bagworms in a pasture mm-hmm. you know we see them in our windbreaks and around our homes quite a bit but any infestation in a pasture was more or less non-existent right. or minor up until this last year now the population is booming and so what i'm curious on and maybe nicole has an idea did we get cold enough in february to knock it back that's the biggest detriment to bagworms is can that temperature set it back uh i don't know and i probably won't know till the end of may (laughs) i don't know for sure but i did read an article from iowa state that said one degree for 24 hours solid will kill 75% of the bags in the, or the eggs in the bag. So that means we should have killed a good population because we were below one for like three days. It's not going to kill all of them. Went way (laughs) below, went way below one. Hey, lucky here. We've got, we've got people that want to talk to you guys. Uh, Let's go to uh, Dave. Dave just says he's from Nebraska. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. You have a question? Yes, sir. Uh, about 10 years ago, we planted, oh, about eight Canadian hemlock. And uh, they were probably two foot tall when we got them. They have grown very little in those in that 10-year period. Uh, some of them are kind of got a brownish look to them. They just don't look very healthy. What am I doing wrong? What is your soil type? Oh, uh, well, the area that I planted these, we had kind of filled in with some clay, uh, sandy clay mix. Do you, then with this hemlock, do you remember where they happened to come out of? Uh, no, I do not know. Uh, we bought them from a major nursery in Lincoln, but uh, I don't know where they got them from. Because my first, in, uh, you know, if they haven't grown much and they're they're looking not healthy, um, one thing that you can do to just try to improve that is again, if you got sod or anything else by them, you got to pull that off and get those things mulched right away. And once you kind of pull, take a look at that, the just the top of the soil. You don't have to dig around and look for uh, roots. Are they crossing around the base? Are they? are they really wrapping around we call them girdling roots and what that can do it's basically like putting someone in a chokehold you're Mm -hmm. choking that tree out and so it to me the initial thought on what you're telling me is it's a planting issue Mm -hmm. 
And this is something that when they were put in the ground 10 years ago, they may have been planted too deep or too shallow and may have had some crossing roots on that. And that would be the first thing to take a look at. So if you have sod around them, pull that sod off. Go ahead and get a nice uh, layer of mulch on them, you know, usually around three inches, three to four inches thick. Keep that off the base of the tree. But before you do that, just take a look and see if you notice any kind of girdling roots around that. And if you do see some, hopefully they're small enough, you might be able to treat it at that time. Okay. Yeah, when we planted it, I cut down the sides of the uh, of the root system all the way around yeah, to cut, cut loose some of the roots. And then uh, uh, we did mulch around it when we planted them. And it's in a windbreak situation, so there is no grass. We've kept the grass and weeds down, so there's nothing growing around them. Uh, so they're out there uh, by them. So are they out there kind of by their lonesome? Um, there's there are some uh, a few elm tree uh, trees close that are kind of shading them at times. Uh, when we bought these, I asked for something that would grow straight and uh, not lean towards the sun, <laughs> and this is what they recommended. Yeah, because the other thing with, with them that I would, what it sounds like, if there's not much wind protection around them, they're, they're burning. Basically, anytime the wind blows faster than, than your breath, they're just catching all of it, and it's just drying them out. Okay. So if you can run a line out there and during drier periods, just give them a little shot of water, keeping them mulched, doing that, that'll probably be your biggest thing. Because like I say, even with a little bit of elms around them, that's not enough protection to really keep them going. Um, just because, well, it's Nebraska. It, wind blows every day. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, and they are on the north side yep. of uh, our house, and they are exposed to cold north winds. Yep, and so that, to me, oh. that's most likely what your issue is. And okay. so even, and you know, this past winter would have been a great example. Uh, we were so dry, you needed to water during the winter. What's again, he said dry. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go and again. We, we water them all through all Good. The summer, and then we water them. Uh, this year we watered them up until the ground froze. So yeah. um, and even then, I you it was probably yeah that that's going to be your issue. It's winter. It's just winter. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, let me see. We have Wendy from Denton and Kathy from Harbine. Uh, after her, hello, Wendy in Denton. When when is the best time to apply weed and feed on our spring lawns? Weed and feed, like the, the, the okay, yep. sure. So uh, I would assume this is like your crabgrass control with the fertilizer. Yes. Um, so typically that's going to be like end of April, somewhere in there, like mid to late April. Um, but really we don't want to put the like, crabgrass control on until soil temperatures have reached 55 degrees for about a week. Um, so you're getting an average, not just like, boom, it's 55, let's go put stuff out. Um so, um, and we're, I looked yesterday, 47, 48, somewhere in there. Um, so we're a little bit off on that yet. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it, I can't give you a calendar date because it's based on that soil temperature. Um, but if you listen, eventually it will come around and I will let you know when that time is. <laughs> yeah, and Wendy, we don't. be sure to tell you. We, ya. we want you listening every week, okay? <laughs> what should the, what is the best analysis on the bags? On, on bagworms? No, the no. like your fertilizer analysis. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, I don't. 
I mean, just so long as you've got a good, um, you know, mixture. I can't even remember. I think some of them are like 35.5 or something like that. Usually we're pretty good on phosphorus and potassium in our soils. Most of the soil samples I look at when people bring me were above and beyond what you need for phosphorus and potassium. Um, so it's it's really that nitrogen. And that's the first number. That's that first that's number. First yeah. Okay. Um, and it's, it's really, you just want to make sure that you're putting, um, a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet when you're applying it. Um, and if it's together, it's going to tell you how to apply that, you know, cause when they're mixed together like that, you want to make sure that you're not overdoing the crabgrass part of it. You know, you don't want to go too heavy with that. Okay. Um, so I would just read and follow that label, but, but really, um, I don't know that like the analysis there those three numbers really makes a huge difference just so long as you're applying the the one pound per thousand square feet is what you're thank looking at so thank you thank yep, you no wendy problem. appreciate the call 402-729-3383 we now have a couple open lines so if you tried and couldn't get through try now we'll pop you on the air here speedy quick well kathy might argue with that she's uh, been on hold here for a while from harbine hi kathy I just have a quick question. Okay. Uh, when is a good time to split rhubarb? To split to rhubarb, to transplant right. and kind of thin it out and move move it around, huh? Right, exactly. How long is it how long has it uh, been there in that same old spot? Um probably 8 years at least. Okay. So eight. It's well established. All right. And uh, so 8 years old and you need to move something are you going to give some away or just Move it to another spot. Yeah, I was going to give some away. Hmm, Kathy, let's uh, let's get together here. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, <laughs> rhubarb, I, I I don't mess with. But uh, say I don't mess with rhubarb either. But I will tell you, if you make a pie, I know a couple guys that'll take a pie. <laughs> You'll be there. <laughs> I would be there. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's here's what we got for you. I think you're you're fine in the spring to do that. Um, probably you know got to wait till it starts coming up um, before you can uh, do that. Um, but I, I think you'd be fine in the spring if you wanted to do that here shortly. Um, like I said, I would wait a little bit till it's come up a little bit better. Um, okay. Cause it's coming up already. Like how tall are you talking? Like two or three inches up? Uh, hold on here. I'm just looking and I think I might be wrong. I think it's the fall. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Kathy, we just killed I, that one. Anyway. See, I don't, I don't grow rhubarb, so I don't <laughs> okay. know a lot about that one. Uh, but I think for for div dividing it, um, the fall would be better. But you can do it in the spring, um, and you just want to wait till it's come up enough that you can really see it, so that you can divide it. So that's why the fall is going to be a little bit better for that, because the whole plant's going to be there, and it's going to be easier to move and then get it established in that fall weather. <clears throat> okay. Versus right. in the spring. But if you are really wanting to share now, um, you could do it in the spring. You just got to make sure that um, you can keep it watered once you get it moved, you know, and, okay. and the piece that you dug up, you know. But don't move it, you know, don't obviously, you know, that you don't put it in a, a badly drained area <coughs> in, yeah. your, okay. in your soil. You know, that one is okay. one prone to root rot and it mm. will show you, it will tell you. Um, I've, you know, heard where it's like a line of them and one in that whole line is bad. And that's because that one is in just a little bit lower spot than the others. 
Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had a call on here about that. Uh, once you once she does this and puts them in the ground, uh, some other spot, will we have rhubarb this the, the following spring, or is so, it more yeah, like so asparagus? That's, that's like asparagus. So once you once you whatever parts you're digging up. When you put them back in, you know, so you dig up one and divide it and you plant one back in your area where you had it maybe. Um, okay. All of those pieces need to take, they, you want to give them about three years before you start harvesting from them. Wow. Just like you do with asparagus. Okay, so the plant that I leave there, can I harvest off of that one yet? Yep. Or do I, okay. Yeah, Perfect. as long as you're not digging that up, you're fine. Okay, great. Let us know when the pie's done, all right? All right. Well, hey, thanks for your help. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you for your call. 402-729-3383. You're listening to Yard and Garden Live on All Red 99.5. We are back. Yard and Garden Live on a Friday, but we're not all that live right now on one of our stations. We're kind of limping along here with uh, something happened to the uh, transmitter at in Harbine. Uh, possibly, I'm thinking maybe Kathy, who we just talked to in Harbine uh, about her uh, 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 rhubarb, uh, just went out and uh, unplugged us out there, maybe. <laughs> That's where our transmitter is. Uh, so we do we do know that we are off the air on, on uh, Old Red 99.5. We're still with you on our stepsister station, or our sister station, actually, 1310 AM KGMT. It doesn't have a big footprint, and uh, so if you're listening at 1310 AM KGMT, for God's sakes, give us a call. Just We'll talk about cribbage. <laughs> we talk about anything. I don't care. 402-729-3383, but we do have... We do have people working on the problem. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I pop, popped right there in front of you, Donate. Hi, good morning. Good morning. You are on the air. Can we help you? Yes. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. You're not on right. my yeah. radio. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, just, we, to, yeah, the, to... the, the FM just went down, uh, we were just told, and uh, so... We've got some people looking at it, uh, working on it, but our transmitter is about oh, 18 miles from here, so it takes some time some time to get over there. Okay, but, well, I'm okay with nobody really hearing me ask my questions. Oh, well, no good. You, you, you <laughs> like this, huh? Um, um, I, I just was afraid you guys blew away. <laughs> no, 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 no. What's your, what's your first name and where are you calling from? Um, I'm calling from Beatrice. Okay. Is this, is this my good friend Kathy? Yes. How yeah. are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? I recognized your voice. <laughs> you kind of, you, you kind of also sound like. Just a... Told me that he knows Jay. Oh. That, um, he shoots at the gun club with him. Oh. So. Um, <laughs> well, they, hi. You, <laughs> they allow you to have weapons, Jay? Not. Well, not yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for calling. I have, I have some valid questions this morning. Good. Oh, All right. Let's do it. Okay. Um. I'm thinking that I'm, but I thought I'd double check. Um, is it? It's too late to prune my maple tree. It started to bud, and I'm afraid it's too late. So, really, they're looking at a little later with our pruning. Um, but maples, I don't necessarily put in that because they have a heavy sap flow. Are in, you in looking at uh, how much are you looking to take <coughs> off? 
Um, well, mostly small branches, but there are there's there are two branches that are going up, and I really want to cut one of them off so that the other one it gets a little stronger. I don't want it to branch off and break at some point. Right. So it's yeah, with with the little ones, uh, don't care. That ain't gonna affect the tree. Those are suckers. That they're they're more or less insignificant. With the larger ones. I would say if it's still a fairly small, say about the size of a, a Coke can around there, and you only got two of them, go ahead. You're you're not going to affect those, – those are such an aggressive tree. I tend not to worry about them. That old adage, the best time to prune is when the saw is sharp, does have some merit. But if they are somewhat around that size, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about yeah. them. Yeah, you might see a little bit of sap flow from that if mm-hmm. you're doing that right now because in the spring your maples um, do produce quite a bit of sap um, and it can do uh, some, some. it's not harmful to the tree, but no. it's very messy uh, and in some cases a lot, <laughs> uh, but um, but that would be the only thing. Otherwise, yeah, you, I mean, especially with a smaller branch, I think you'd be fine cutting that off and they, they really, um, the ISA was looking at this and they're kind of looking at a different time frame for that pruning and they're looking like may to june um so we are looking a little later because it allows that tree while it's actively growing to seal up that wound quicker and so really technically you'd be a little early yeah in those lines uh-huh. so you're yeah. all right okay. so yeah you're good so i should wait until may to no you can pruning. you can do it whenever i, I would say if you if the saw's ready you're ready <laughs> <laughs> i think you you'd be all right on that Okay. All right. Other question. Um, I have um, I have a couple of lilac bushes on the north side of the house, and I love them, but they always end up getting that um, that powdery mildew. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and I know it's because they're in a shaded area right. on their on the east side of the house, and I'd like to just get rid of them. Um, I don't really know how to how to how to get rid of them. I got rid of mine. I just cut them down very, very short, then put stump killer on them mm-hmm. and walked away from them. And that's been about two years ago. And I think maybe this year or if not next year, then I'm going to have a guy come in and, and remove the stumps. Right. And that worked out. I mean, I, I didn't have anything grow back. Uh, the only thing you have to look at is that ugly scar there for a while. Yeah. And. When okay. you're saying stump killer, I'm, I want to go with. Oh not yeah, I'm sorry. Tor- not torn. No, yeah, I, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, it like was Roundup. Round it was round. It was two four D. It was too. Uh, I think it was too warm to too use two four D. Yeah. So you just use a regular Roundup. Uh, yep. Regular strength. I didn't. But you're right. Cut them off right. At, you know, as close to the ground as you can get. And the, the, just, you know, and the problem right is that is that they're, they're you can't get a flat cut right. across them because right. they're they're like camel humped. Yeah, you know, I so. we, we call right. it pruning to the ground. <laughs> so yeah. prune them to the ground. Uh-huh. Like I said, use that stump. Do not use Tordon, especially if you have any other plants around it, just because Tordon is so aggressive in that root system. So use 2,4-D, use Roundup. And like I say, it's just prune up to the ground, wait, and you might have to give it a second treatment. You might see a couple yeah. root suckers here or there. Do the same thing, and eventually lilac is going to take chemical and it will take it and it will die (laughs) 
Or call a friend and let them come dig them up if they want them. You know, if you know someone who wants a lilac, you can share. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll keep that in mind. I have one other question. Perfect. Other callers that are waiting. No, you no. And by the way, you are now on Old Red (laughs) ninety nine five. Just so you know, I don't want to make you nervous (laughs) or anything. But we are back on the air. But go ahead. Um, we I I did hear that. Um, I have some hostas around a tree in the front yard and. Um, it mostly is just overgrown with weeds, and um, it seems like there's more weeds than hostas, and so I'd like to get rid of all of them around the tree. Um, I was thinking I could put preen around that. Um, is I'm not on a windy day, obviously, but is that okay to do? Is, is it going to harm the grass around that or the tree at all? Well, preen isn't going to hurt your, it's not going to kill your hostas. Um, preen is only going to stop the germination of annual weeds. I think it's trifluralin. Okay. Is the chemical. Um, you, you can tell I can say that one very well. <laughs> not emamectin benzoate. Um, <laughs> and I can't so, even spell it, so I'm not even going to write that one down. But, um, <laughs> so tell me what I should do. So, but, and your preen will work for your annual weeds. So any annual grasses and things like that. But um, it's not going to work for anything that's a perennial or something like a hosta that's coming back from the crown, you know, the, the perennial type things. Um, so you can use that, and it won't hurt the tree. I no, I've it not seen any problems with that one from or to hurt the tree, and it might help you clean it up. Um, but if it's anything perennial, weed-wise, or those hostas, that's not going to work on it. So then um, you could. You can use a Roundup. I would say you that. can you can use Roundup as an equal opportunity killer. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing you want to do around your trees is uh, really make sure it has got to be perfectly calm, uh, low humidity, and low temperature. So you know if it gets a really a much above seventy, any more Roundup can volatilize and go up into the crown of the tree. So you want to make sure it's cool, calm, low humidity, so it can't carry that chemical, and be very particular and precise on when you on how you spray that, and it won't volatilize and go up. One thing, um, and then, and then two. The other thing you can do is, depending on the size of the bed, is I would say just dig it up and mulch it. Mm-hmm. If it's just a weedy thing, I would just say, yep. uh, just get in there with a the shovel, beat that stuff out, dig it out, add some mulch to it. And that'll work just as well. And then you don't even have to mess with chemical. It's it's manual labor versus chemical, <laughs> in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I like that idea better. So just dig it up, yep. put mulch on it. And, and you then can, um, I'd like to just put some daisies around the tree at some point, but I can wait and do that. Yeah, I would um, just mulch that like whole bed, keep all that stuff down for a year, let it mellow, add all that. And then next year, add a little more mulch to it and plant your daisies right into that mulch bed, and you will be perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll do it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Very <laughs> helpful today. Thank you. Have well, a good one. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. Okay, I wanted to make... You're pointing uh, no, at me, all right. I, I know, I point at you when I have a point. Okay, I want to make. that's well, the point. See? Point, I got it. Uh, <clears throat> so I wanted to... Um, I looked a little further on the rhubarb question. Oh, yeah, and Kathy. I want, to, I want to correct it. In Harbine. I don't like bad answers. Um, and so it is... It's better while they're dormant 
Um, so you can do it the fall or the spring, but it would be the spring very early as they're just starting to come up. So you probably would be fine right now because I think she said they were just like six inches tall. That's or what so. she said, I believe. Yeah. Or in the fall after they've kind of started to go dormant. So I wasn't wrong, but I wasn't 100% right. So I just wanted to correct that for you um, so that you know really when that best time is. All right. 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. About, oh, 15 minutes before we went on the air, I had a gentleman call said, hey, I uh, heard you talking about those uh, Vanalia onions, and I'd sure like to get me some. So I gave him the number, and I told him that uh, he called from Tecumseh. So I said, well, I don't know, but I imagine this guy can uh, figure out a way to get them to you. Um, the guy, Bob Short, uh, has been doing this for quite some years. It's a, it's a, uh, a fundraiser for the Shriners. You get a 10-pound bag of Vidalia onions for 11 bucks. You don't pay until you get the onions in your hot little hands. These are all hand-harvested, hand-graded Vidalia onions. And if you're a fan, uh, you, you, you know, they only come once a year. So uh, if you want to get some, you need to give Bob a call, 402-729-3275, Or now that we are starting to relax a little bit, we have a list, a sign-up sheet here at the studios. You can drop by and just put down how many bags you want, your phone number. As soon as they come in, he'll call you, deliver them, and uh, you can uh, enjoy your Vidalia onions. Let's go talk to Gary over in Plymouth. Hi, Gary. Hello. You have a question. Go ahead. Yeah, for windbreaks, uh, the last year's battle that I call a cucumber vine. Oh, yeah. What's the best time or how do you get rid of that? Uh, Pray. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Nicole, you have a successful method? You know, and... It can be really bad because it can get up over your trees and start to kind of smother them, basically. But it pulls really easily. And I know you're going to say, Nicole, it's a huge windbreak and there's lots of it. I know. I understand that. It is a little hard work, um, but that works really well. The other thing is um, that it is an annual weed. And I think uh, Princep is the chemical that you can use for um, a pre-emergent. I don't know when the timing is. Uh, now. Is yeah, I think it's I think right about it's right in now because yep. you want to get that princep on really before it starts to bud break mm-hmm. on anything else on that. A is, that a, is that a granular? or No, it's it's a liquid spray. Okay. So it's, it, it'll have to mix it. Uh, the other thing, like Nicole said, is the only way I have ever dealt with it is go through and if you've, you've already got it, you know, if it's in the trees, it's dead. So mm-hmm. now everything that comes up is going to be new growth. If there's any way you can get in there with a lawnmower, just keep that thing clean. If depending on the size of the windbreak or where it's worse, uh, adding down some mulch always a good idea. But yeah, a lot of times what we're doing is we're going in with a brush hog, a shredder, whatever we can get close there, and just keeping that stuff as clean as possible. And that way it can't ever get up and into the canopy. And the thing to remember is you can't spray it on the trees because whatever Um, would affect the cucumber vine is also going to harm your trees so you can't just like oh i'll just spray the broadleaf weed control over the top you can't do that because that will hurt your trees too (laughs) (laughs) so that's where the problem is and that's why jay says to pray because it can really take over and some years are really bad i think two years ago we had it really two three years seem to be the worst um and so and you know not every year is going to be that bad um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one because once it starts to climb up your trees, it's hard, but 
it does have a very shallow root system. Yep. And if you've got some time and you just want to go out for a walk and, you know, hand pull it, <laughs> I say, it even will just, work. Even if you carry a lot of times, if we're in thick, heavy timber where we can't get machines or anything right. else, uh, a machete. Just yep. even if it's in the canopy, just cutting that off and letting it die, it shrivels up so fast. Right. Sunlight will get in and still help the trees, and that will decompose pretty fast. That's but true, too. It, yeah. It's more Even manual. Just it from the roots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That help you out, Gary? Well, yeah, that's what I'm in battle with us years ago. And then you cut it off or pull it and let it die on the trees. Yep. But, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a sick windbreak, and other trees decided because it's trying to mow or something, and, and it gets a canopy across the grass where you, you know you walk through and it trips you. you can't and you can't find the root there you just break off little ones so. yep <laughs> yeah like i said it, it's just if you can find it up in the tree get a hold of it and pull it yep and just just cut it up high like that even that'll solve 90 percent of it right yeah it's an ongoing battle i guess yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you can get it before it seeds, too, that's going to help for the next year. Yeah. You know, well, before those. Well, definitely do that because it gets hard to pull when it's all prickly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <It's> true. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> okay, thanks. You Thank betcha. You. Thank you. Uh, and we'll be back with more Yard and Garden Live uh, right after this. <laughs> We are back. More Yard and Garden Live on Old Red 99.5. And our phone number is 402-729-3383. We'd love to have you part of the program today. The bumper music just makes me excited to go and do some gardening. <laughs> yeah, see? You, just, you get pumped up and you're ready to go garden. I need okay. that every time we go out into the forest or anything yeah. else. Just play some ZZ Top. There you go. <laughs> Running it. out. I like it. I want to... Uh, I wanna, uh, uh, Jay, well, we got a phone call coming in, and and that's great. I'd rather I'd rather have them call and answer questions, but uh, I I know we have a lot of people from time to time moving to acreages for a very first time, and they want uh, maybe maybe it's they bought the land and they they're building a house and they don't have a windbreak. Uh, the you, you people. Their closest you people people are a great resource to go to to get uh, to get ideas on uh, on windbreaks. Yes. Oh, yes. And probably the biggest part of my job is new acreage owners needing a windbreak. They, they move out and then they realize they move out of the city and they realize, holy cow, the wow. wind blows a lot. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. And they now see these old farmsteads with these older windbreaks thinking, OK, there is a reason why they have all these old windbreaks. And, you know, we can talk about the importance of it and all that. You know, bare bones, 15 to 25% on energy savings just in blocking that wind. I'll be darned. Roughly around 10 to 25% on enhanced value of the land. Just mm-hmm. adding landscape trees and a windbreak out here really increases property well, value sure, around 15 yeah. to 25%. That's just it. And that's not including the wildlife, the snow distribution, and even just the natural component of green space just going in and getting you know shutting out the rest of the world and going into your one of the little one of the biggest things is privacy and fences are expensive and don't last that long yeah (laughs) but trees will last you a long time and it also block like sound so if you're on a road that's a busy road it'll block the sound it'll block the dust block dust is a big one growing population and we also you know we have a great advantage with 
cedar trees all over the place, mm-hmm. and there's no reason some cedar trees can't be part of a windbreak, and, right? And what I tell, you know, the, the cedar issue is, you know, obviously an ongoing conversation, but my argument has always been it is the perfect tree when it's in the right place. Exactly. Okay. It has yeah. very, very little disease problems, very, very little insect problems, no fungus problems to speak of, mm-hmm. can grow from anything from sand to heavy clay and will last a lifetime. So, I mean, from a tr- it's a native conifer tree. And really, in, here in the East, it's our only native conifer mm-hmm. tree. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Uh, we don't have a native pine or spruce or anything in the eastern half of the state. Wow. So it's our native conifer. Out west. Say yeah. ponderosas mm-hmm. out west. Mm-hmm. Uh, white pines are too far east right. into Missouri. So yeah. it's... It is, like I say, the perfect tree when it's where it's supposed to be. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> let's uh, let's go. Wanders a little. It, it tends but, to wander, yeah. but yeah. not but not usually from a windbreak. Not from a windbreak. <laughs> Here is a Steve. Steve, I'm not sure where you're calling from. Fairbury. Fairbury. That's fine. Fairbury. Steve, what you got? I don't know if you've touched on it already today. I have about three questions about crabgrass. Okay. One. First question is, how do you know when to put down pre-emergence? Uh, second question, should you follow it up in a couple of weeks or a month and do that again? And my last question is, can you overseed your yard uh, at the same time you put down uh, pre-emergence for crabgrass? Oh, very good questions here, Steve. Excellent so, questions. Yeah. Um, so... We did touch a little, and that's okay. I can cover it again on the when. Um, and that's really, it's a terrible answer I'm going to give you, but it's when the soil temperature is the right temperature. Um, so we look at when that soil temperature reaches about 55 degrees for a week-long average. Um, and so right now we're about 48, 47, somewhere in there. Um, so typically that's going to be mid to late April, um, but I can't tell you a date because it's based on the weather and how that changes the, the soil temperature um, but if you listen every week, I will announce it when we're in that window. Um, and, you know, if you miss it by a couple of days, that's okay. You'll, you'll still get um, the crabgrass that's germinating. Um, so should you follow up with a second application? Yeah, actually, um, we're looking at another one in about June. Some people do like a split application where you just do half of it now and half of it later. Um, either that or just a second application later of a crabgrass pre-emergent will help get you season long. Um, we're seeing that it's just not it's not lasting the whole season. So we look at about June, mid-June or so, early to mid-June is a good time frame to come um, with that second application of the crabgrass pre-emergent to get you full year. And then, ooh, uh, so, and then overseeding the lawn, um, no, you can't do that at the same time because a crabgrass pre-emergent is a grass pre-emergent herbicide so it's not it doesn't know the difference between your bluegrass or your tall fescue versus the crabgrass or those other annual grasses um, it helps with uh, sandburrs you know is one of them that it'll help with because it is a grass um, but so if you're if you're looking to overseed the lawn this spring one of the products you can use that will work um, is tenacity and you can use that at seeding or the mesotrione products any of them um, it's a little more expensive, but it can be used at seeding, according to the label. So, does that answer at, your question? At, it, can be, it can be used at seeding to control crabgrass. Yep. yep. Um, it actually works a little bit, or it, it'll work as a pre-emergent as well as a post-emergent on the crabgrass, and it works on, like, a lot of other weeds. 
So most of our weeds are controlled with this uh, Mesotrium product. Um, but it's the new wonder, uh, the new wonder chemical <laughs> tenacity. I, and I don't know the effectiveness on all of them. You know, gotcha. some of them, some of our um, weeds are hit and miss. You know, somebody says, yeah, it works really good. Some of them say, no, it doesn't uh, work as well yeah. as the others. So it's it's but it is pretty good at most weeds and doesn't harm our grasses. And it's the only product I know of that you can use at seeding. So, um at least for a homeowner. Well, thank so. you very much for your help. Yeah, All right. thank you. Thank you. And did did we answer the part where if you come back and do it again? Yeah. Okay. Very yep. good. Because this is I always I always think that sometimes people might forget that, and you know I, it really can make a big difference. And and also it's never one and done. No. I mean you're going to be right back out there the <laughs> next year, and it's just something that you kind of got to work right. into your plan, and it. Stuff blows in, stuff blows out. And, and you're uh, a lot better with a pre-emerge, especially with crabgrass, than you are trying to get it after it's come up. Um, especially, like, you know, if you don't do that second application, then you're noticing it in August yeah, when it's a yeah, giant crabgrass yeah. plant. Yeah. And a, a, any herbicide isn't going to work very well on it. You just got to yeah. wait till it freezes and yep. it will die Start right. over. at that point. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so a second application really helps a lot uh, with the crabgrass these days. All right. Listening to Yard and Garden Live on Old Red 99.5. I don't know. We just got the ZZ Top catalog. I'm sorry. I like uh-huh. it. Uh, so we are back with Yard and Garden Live and have just enough time left to uh, say thank you to Jay. Jay Seaton once again. Uh, uh, the Lower Platte South NRD Forester. Yep. You got and it. And where do you live? I live in Beatrice, actually. You do? Yes, sir. Nope. I've been a part of that community now for, oh, better part of, oh, heavens, 12 years. All right. So, Very yeah. good. I should I should have known that, probably, huh? Well, um, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Try to stay incognito as much as possible. All right. <laughs> Uh, we do appreciate you coming. Well, thank and, you for having me. Thank you so and much. Uh, we uh, uh, hope that uh, we get to see you again uh, because I don't think we have any plans of going anywhere no. next year either, <laughs> except for right here. But I you never know. Thanks, I don't Jason. usually give them a lot of choice. I'm like, what day do you Yeah, want? there we go. <laughs> we get there the emails go. like, pick a date. Yeah. <laughs> no option to opt out. <laughs> pick a date or else I'm going to keep bugging you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me see. Next week, uh, I just don't know if I like this guest next. <laughs> Well, next week we have Sarah Browning filling in for me, <laughs> and then Katie King is coming. And Katie um, was on last year a couple or two, uh, okay. two years ago. I, I didn't realize that uh, Sarah was hosting. Yes. Okay. And yes. You're, are you? Uh, I'm not. You're, you're okay. not going to be around that yeah. that, that yep. Friday. Yep. It's, so it's Sarah sure. and Katie. Okay. Yep. Very good. And uh, yeah, Sarah does an excellent job. Yes. And wow, you just opened this lady up, and she's got all kinds of information yeah. spilling out. See, uh, and Katie's one of the. Um, she works with like fruit and vegetable growers. So, if you got those fruit questions, there you go. Vegetable questions. Okay. Sarah's a pretty good expert on those things okay. as well. So that's the week to call. All right. <laughs> well, we. I'm gonna have to. Because I'm sure. not a fruit tree person either. I know enough <laughs> to be dangerous. <laughs> I probably do too. All right. Uh, well, I guess you know all that's left then is uh, to say thank you uh, to everybody who listened and to everybody who called, and uh, if you. Uh, uh, listened and didn't call, uh, maybe next week will be your day to call. Uh, and until then, keep it green and keep it growing.